I'm KCT, and this is Going Up North, the podcast where I take interesting people out on the ice to try their hand at a family tradition, spearfishing. While we wait the hours it may take for the opportunity to see a northern, we'll shoot the shit, have some laughs, tell our stories, and hopefully go home with one in the bag. That big surprise that loomed over last week's episode, planned for months and executed to perfection, brings us our next guest, a returning spear chucker from way long ago, steeped in the mythos of the house and party to the time Casey did everything wrong and missed the only fish we saw. It's Scott, the coral snake as a terrestrial animal, Leonard. What's up? I said hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then that orange pad, yeah, that's fucking Jesus Christ. That's, that's money. Yeah. yeah. Should yeah, I was gonna say it should, it should pull it should shut pull shut now. You replace the handle so there's no danger of it coming off in your hand <laughs> after 10 years. Yeah. So you remember the drill? Well, uh, it looks like I'm all set up here, right? Yeah. As long as my foot's off the damn rope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You gotta get it in the you water. Get it in the water first. Not so violently, though. I fucking was too anxious. And then, you know, fish darts. Like I was telling Steve yesterday, because Steve was like, Dooser told me a thousand times I fucked up or whatever. <laughs> and he was like, he was all about like, you got to fucking staple them. And I was like, yeah, you don't need to throw it hard, though. Or even if you're in the water, you don't have to throw uh, it very the, hard. The weight of the spear does most should, of the work really for you. take care of. And uh, he was yeah. like, well, you've never done it. I was like, well, you can't just, you know, drop it. Like, you can't just let go. You can't just let go. But, but yeah. give it a little. Like, yeah. little, little help, a little yeah. direction. Yeah. Yeah. You're fucking good. I'm still, I'm still, it's because he was all fucking can't believe fucking fish yesterday. <laughs> and I was telling him, I was like, well, when me and Scott sat out here for three days, it was like pretty sad because we were getting ready to leave on the last day. Yeah. And he was like, well, can I just throw it at the bottom? Yeah. <laughs> I want to see how it feels. Like, yeah, dude, go ahead. Kicked myself about that for, well, still. Oh, Scott, you're spearing the water. Give me this. You're spearing the water. Set the tines on the floor. Or there you go. There you go. Oh, yeah, here, here, here. I got you. Sorry, man. No, nope, you're good. You're good. Drill. Tell me you were recording through that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me when you edit that, it's just gonna be like Scotty and me were just going out. It's like beginning of audio. Get your spear in the water. <laughs> There's like no build to it. Just like 
Well, there really wasn't. Oh, hell no, dude. It's like that fucking <laughs> second you touch the decoy. It's like, oh, there he is. So now the deal is whoever shots whoever best. Whoever shots best. That's so crazy, too, because, like, well, from when I said get your spirit in water to you fucking spirited, I saw it sitting there. And oh, yeah. No, I just I, hate how you're like, where? No, no, no. It's like I could see him, and then I saw him withdraw, and I'm like, motherfucker, I'm getting robbed. Yeah, I know. I was like, God, he's going to sneak away because a lot of, I'm on from a lot of guys do do that, you know, when they see one, they'll, like, bring it up. Yeah. And they're, you know, whatever, and it's like. I just get so nervous about doing that because it's like, what if I spook him? No, yeah, yeah. You feel like you're fucking with him. Yeah. Right? So, like, but once you had it wheeling, because he came in because you were wheeling it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, here he comes. I'll take this. Yeah. But then it's like, do I move it? Because it moved a little bit and he backed up. And I was like, uh oh. Then it's like, well, maybe he'll come over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> wow, that was great. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Casey. That was great. <laughs> Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Well, I'll see you in a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So, instead of, like I said, instead of being fucking nice Canadian, or nice Minnesotan, no, no, you got a better shot, eh? Yeah. None of that bullshit. To well, I had the shots. So, yeah. yeah. How'd that feel after five years? Did we figure five years? Five or six. Yeah. Oh, yeah. six technically, because it's the new year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it's great. Now, like, everything else today is just gravy. Like, yeah, now we don't have to worry about going for lunch. Yeah. We can fuck off early. <laughs> start drinking. <laughs> yeah, so I was actually going to say, I think pre-podcast or pre-podcast idea, I was, I was thinking about this. I think you're the first one to come back that's, like, done this before. Yeah, probably, huh? Yeah. Which was sweet, which is why I was, like, giving you shit about it, too. Man, I still can't believe that shit happened. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> that's just crazy. I mean, like, I guess it makes sense, like, talking about crepuscle animals and stuff. Probably a bit more active this time of day, but... That's, that's so it, and it tracks of, like... That fish was just as likely to, or or you could look at it as like that fish was just as likely to show up at half past noon. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. There is no rhyme or reason as far as we know. Of course, it seems like equally likely that it would show up at this time as it would, you know, any other time. Right. <laughs> so why are we surprised by it? Yeah. Oh, damn. That's the fastest I've ever seen that. You broke the record. The record before was ten minutes. That's pretty impressive. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I thought that you were I thought that you were pulling a goof on me. I thought that, <laughs> I thought we was we were just talking about the throwing form. Is it spear in the water? <laughs> and that's how you do that, Scott. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you, folks. I don't fuck around, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, try not to. No, you know, I know that um I know that a big part of this um, podcast project is uh, just kind of getting people interested in uh, kind of an old school esoteric hobby that kind of needs some help with publicity. Mm -hmm. And uh, I gotta tell you, I feel like I'd probably do this a lot more if I was living around here. Right? Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's it's easy for me because I have the shit to do it, right? But... <coughs> A lot of people say the same thing. They're like, man, this is, you know. Or I think that's kind of why like, it became a shit show at one point of like trying to get people up here to do it. Because like, everybody wanted to go. Oh, like, sure, yeah. Like once you take someone out, they want to come again. It's like, oh, man, no, I know. But I told Scott he could come this year. Because back in the day, it all revolved around like winter break and like oh, yeah, when I had yeah. time and if the house was out and all that shit. And if in 2013... So, yeah, how did that shake out? Were you just like, I want to go? <laughs> like, because I wouldn't shut up about it, or what? Um, I mean, there was there was definitely, like, an outright invitation. Sure. You know, where you just said, hey, you know, you're going to be home. I'm going to be in... Oh, no, you were... you were. Uh, I met you at your place. 
down in down in Aiken. Okay, okay, that's right. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, always wanted to get back here, and glad I'm finally <laughs> able to do it. And on the board. Yeah, look at that. I mean, I set the bar pretty low. I was just going to be okay if we saw a fish. Right. <clears throat> like any fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this friend of Nick's was telling me that he listened to it, and he was like, man, when you were talking about being out there and not having seen one in a long time, and then finally getting a chance to throw the spear, and you fucked it up. <laughs> He's like, when you were like, and I did everything wrong. He was like, I was laughing so fucking hard, dude. I know that fucking feeling so well. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it sucks. Because I think, I mean, if I'm right, I was think, trying to figure this out. I think the first guy, like, first dude from college that came out here with Les Johnson. Yeah. One year on break. Yeah. It's like, I've been promising Doozer and Steve for years, obviously, like, since college. And then last year was the first year I took either one of them out. Well, I guess where I was going with that was that, uh, you know, you set out to educate people about this and kind of generate interest, and looks like it's working. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Boy, I tell you, I, uh, I spent some of my time over the last week just checking out some local breweries in my parents' area. You know, a lot of that is just following up on some people that you know. You know, from back when I was living and working there, you know, old bar regulars that are right. opening up their own joint, or like we talked about, friend of a friend of a friend who were brewing or whatever. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I, this kind of ties into what you're talking about, about background checks and like who you're doing business with. And like, this is a bit of a, bit of a hot contentious sort of thing but like man i went to a place um in the st cloud area i went to a brewery with a friend the other day and like the beers were all right but uh like the uh whoever was setting up the tap room had taken like a pretty hard like a pretty hard stance on on uh backing cops and shit and so there's like all this blue Blue lives matter matter shit just like hanging around and like Man, you know, it's uh, it's kind of one of those things where you're just like, you don't want to like, you don't want to fucking start that up at the bar. Well, and like, I was just going to say, you don't want to like sink to the level of, uh, of rhetoric that a lot of people fall to about, well, oh, just keep your politics out of beer or whatever. But like, life is political and like, we all know it. Right. And, uh. You know, should I be thankful? <laughs> it was just like, well, you guys are kind of dicks, and I'm not sure I really want to be giving you my money. And you know, it's just, uh, it's kind of like this weird thing where, for me, that scene is so often associated with, like, for me, like that scene is associated with progression. Most of the people I know who work in that industry are fairly progressive people. Maybe it's, like, where I am or, like, where I spend a lot of time kind of, like, learning about it or, or the individuals that were opening up places that I, uh, you know, kind of learned the industry. Right. And, um, you know, it's just kind of like this this almost fitting sort of thing where I was just kind of like, oh, well, that tracks that, like, you know, the, the place that's, you know, doing probably the more daring daring beers in that area is just like that's still st cloud though like it's right. <laughs> did you yeah. see the fucking economist um published a piece uh this week about st cloud really yeah just about how fucking terrible it is to be a somali person in st cloud <laughs> like like that's it's it's almost a sociological oddity that st cloud is just one of these one of these places that, that, that kind of bucks the sociological trend where normally if like a refugee um, community establishes itself in a community, in like a, a town of that size after like the 15 years or, or however long it's been, then the community kind of opens up to it. It's like things get a little bit more normalized, a little bit smoother, and uh, it's just, it never happened in cloud. Like I've, I feel like if anything, it's like worse. Yeah, dude. Like I, 
born and raised there, and I saw I saw it at, at every fucking step, and it's just like there's still just all the xenophobia and all sorts of people just spreading pernicious fucking misinformation and yeah, you know, it's just like a machine, and it's uh, that's so crazy to me. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of the same back where, like, Chad came from, too. Like, Wilmer. I think that Wilmer did has, has done a relatively good job of, like, adapting to it. Like, Wilmer's, like, an example of, like, what what could happen. And it's not perfect in Wilmer. But, sure. like, I can tell you that it's not as bad for yeah. that community in Wilmer as it was ten years ago. Okay, yeah, I mean, that's fair. Like, that's fair. But fuck me. What's wrong with St. Cloud? Yeah, man. I'm just gonna keep shit talking my hometown on this on tape here. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's all good, man. I spent 28 years kicking the shit out of this town, and then I moved back. <laughs> oh, okay, so how many breweries are in St. Cloud now? In St. Cloud area, you got three of them now. You got it, what's the like fucking Beaver Bash? Beaver Island. Beaver Island. Yeah, Beaver mm-hmm. Island was, uh, uh, technically they weren't the first to be producing in that era. I think that Lupine was producing there for a little bit, but it was mainly just to take advantage of some of the space with brewing equipment. And now I think they're they're operating somewhere in the metro area. Beer shit, anyway. But, uh, but no, Be- Beaver opened up a few months after them, and they're still, they've got a production facility now, so they're hitting the bigger time. And, um, didn't you say you knew those guys? I mean, they're no, <laughs> like they're cool guys, but, um, actually, yeah, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty, they're pretty cool, but, um, very well known around town, kind of like a, a restaurant touring family. Okay. Put the money behind it. And, um, yeah, de- definitely playing it safe and, and going with that model that you get a lot around, uh, well, around the country. Just because of the way that the distribution systems are set up, that a lot of breweries find it, you know, find it necessary to uh, to do like the flagship brew thing, and that's that's how they they get their distribution is they try to hook people on their flagship, uh, you know, in liquor stores and right, you know, it's I get it because like if you want to if your if your business model is to grow and grow your production, then you know it makes sense for you to do that, and yeah, that's. Unfortunately, means that as DDB call it, like you got your you know porter amber pale IPA port blonde portfolio, like right. you know. And uh, that being said, like the the talent at Beaver is substantial. Like the uh, their brewer has been around for so long and has worked at a lot of different places, like all over the country, mm-hmm. and. Um, I think that, speaking as a professional, I think that he's got some fucking mastery over lager yeast strains. Gotcha. So, like, he's, uh, if you ever get a shot at their, uh, Oktoberfest Meritson in the fall, mm-hmm. go for it. It's okay. one of the better ones I've ever tried, period. Um, very clean, very cool. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, the rest of it is and red IPA and right. when was the last time you had a red IPA there's another one that just opened at, at the time of recording I think it's like three weeks old sure and um that's opened by a couple of old buddies of mine uh Pantown which is uh which is kind of an interesting story behind the name basically there was a guy in like 1917 who decided to make cars in St. Cloud his name was Sam Pandolfo. Okay. And um, the factory that he established is now like a, like an Electrolux for fucking factory. He used to make Frigidaire out of okay. it or whatever. Back when that was like on the edge of town, he basically just uh, lobbied the city to zone the area around the factory for residential. And they just put up a bunch of houses for the help or for the workers. Yeah. So like um, a lot of those houses are still standing hmm. you know and uh it's just kind of like a little neighborhood in st cloud called pantown so it's the brewery's there it's pantown brewing right and um you know yeah like uh like again like pretty solid uh you know that was the the brewing connection that we talked about where yep. matt 
to learn from Tom basically was uh, is in charge of that program and even their first batches were tasting pretty good so I think once they like really fine tune their uh, their shit and really figure it figure it out I think that the beer is going to be like phenomenally clean but yeah like for now playing a conservative but like what do you expect when a when a place opens up right, right? like I think that's the difference is that you know when I talked to them about, like, well, what are your plans? And they said, like, well, we're always going to have lots of new stuff here. It's just a little different than, you know. Sure. <laughs> we're announcing a new beer this year. Like, oh, okay. Like, and then uh, Bad Habits, the one in St. Joe. Okay. And um, they're uh, they're definitely the ones that are at least pushing boundaries with, like, the sort of, uh, the sort of stuff they're making. Sure. You know, lots of fruited kettle sours and milkshake IPAs and such. I, I can tell you that uh, maybe maybe not like the best milkshake IPAs I've ever had. I don't even know what that is, Scott. Oh man! So so there's a uh, there's. You a, tell me it's like some stupid shit with like in yes, ice cream. Yes, it's definitely stupid shit. Blue. But like uh, so no, there's a there's a brewery in Pennsylvania called Tired Hands. Okay. And Tired Hands were making hazy IPAs for I don't know however long, maybe a year or so. He's one of the first guys to do it in that area. One of his critics <clears throat> was just kind of like, damn, dude, ain't, uh, ain't an IPA that's a milkshake, you know? And uh, and then he said, like, but what if I made an IPA that was like a milkshake? So he kind of made it as a troll. Sure. But um, now it's like a fucking thing a lot of breweries are doing. But basically, it's like you make a hazy IPA, so already something that's juicy and hop forward and not terribly bitter and really fluffy and weedy and um and then you add usually like uh like you add fruit and lactose and um vanilla and well yeah usually you're supposed to add vanilla and um if you're really fucking hard about it some pectin so yeah so you just end up with this like very very thick kind of sweet vanilla fruit but also hops weird yeah it's um i've had a few of them from a few different uh brewers and um when it's done the way that it's supposed to be done you drink it and you're just like well that's enjoyable i mean definitely not what you expect when you go into it thinking that it's going to be like an ipa but right you know whatever it's enjoyable the uh the ones i found at, at bad habit were like they were like, I think they were too dialed in, if that makes sense. Sure. Because it's like, you know, if you dial in all the extra bullshit that you're putting into it, why are you putting the bullshit into it? Right. You could have just made an IPA and it would have tasted fine. Right. You know, but like, you have like, you have just enough fruit and lactose in here to like arouse suspicion. And maybe that's what they're going for. And like, if so, you fucking nailed the voice. But, uh, Yeah. Do you think it's sustainable, dude? Like the brewery it, thing? Yeah, isn't there like fucking five in Fargo Moorhead now? Are there? I mean, there's more than there was when we were uh, there. Yeah. Right? Fargo, Fargo Brewing, Drucker, Junkyard. I don't know who the fuck else is producing out there. But... All right, so there's three. Which is like a mind fuck, by the way. When like, because I'm part of like a Canadian beer trading Facebook group. Sure. And. uh... It's pretty nuts when, like, the guys from Winnipeg, like, make a day trip down to Fargo and, like, bring back cans and just say, like, hey, I got some Fargo haze. I'm like, you know, I got FT, Drecker and Junkyard, ISO, something from out east. You know. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm, I think usually... I mean, those, those, two, those two breweries have kind of made a name for themselves regionally. Yep. But, uh... You know, I think that I think that at that point it's it's more of like a uh, novelty. Uh, I mean, that that seems so dismissive and shitty yeah. to call it a novelty, but like, yeah, there are a lot of guys I know out there that are just kind of like use the trade boards as ways as ways to just try something pretty good from all over the place. Yeah, and, you know, like I think people write off North Dakota so much for so many reasons that they're just like, oh, it's something 
you know, mainstream enjoyable, but it's from North Dakota, you know? And yeah, that's fair, dude. I want to address the question you asked me, and then we can move on to other subject matter. But, um, you know, you asked if it's sustainable. The number of breweries, oh, I take right. it, is yeah. really what you're meaning. Yeah. And, like, yeah, I think that, like, that's a question that a lot of people ask because it's... Like, where's it always, market it, saturation, Because, because right? it always feels like, well, they're opening up another brewery. And, like... I thought about this, um, while I was listening to, uh, I was listening to that Mulk Couture podcast I was telling you about, and they had a, you know, do you remember the band Silverstein from fucking 15 odd years ago? Kinda, sure. Well, the bass player is like, you know, it was a band from Canada, and the bass player lives in Toronto, and, um, like, works as, like, a fucking taproom server at, okay. uh, at Bellwoods, which is kind of like our crown jewel of Ontario brewing. And, you know, working in the Ontario beer scene, I kept hearing, like, you know, just so many, you know, customers in my work or whatever would just be like, oh, man, like, how many more could they possibly fit in? And I'm thinking about it. It's like, there's about 60 breweries in Toronto. Holy fuck. Do you know how many breweries there are in Chicago? A city of the same size? 160. No way. Yeah. Holy fuck, man. I mean, that's probably counting, like, brew pubs and, right, uh, that, you know, but whatever. Counts. But, yeah. And, Holy um... Holy shit. I think that... And this... I'm not the first person to postulate this, so I'm not acting like, you know, it's my original idea, but, like... I think that the market has room for anybody that wants to be in it as long as they're making good beer. And but is that even a requirement? There's some places out there that are making terrible fucking beer, dude. Yeah, but my, my deal is that, like, well, this, this is, like, a multiple-fold issue. But, like, if you're making terrible beer, then you better be, like, having such a good branding game that, like, you're repeatedly getting people to, to buy it, you know? And the other the other part of it is that like you maybe maybe market saturation what whatever whatever maybe that looks like you know um, maybe that looks like hey just focus on being a manageable size and catering to your area because the reality is and I, I had this conversation with so many fucking people there's there's a lot of there's a lot of breweries making like good clean beer. And, like, the beer isn't terribly adventurous. It's not enough anymore to just say, like, oh, we opened up a brewery. And, like, right. you know, you either got to, like, kind of, like, nail what you're doing and play, it, and play it safe and, like, really kind of cater to your area. Because, like, you know, like, this is a deep cut, but it's, like, you know, if, if, uh, Mankato Brewing can, like, make some good beer. If I live anywhere that's not, like, in the Mankato area, why do I give a shit about, like, Mankato Brewing beer? Right. Because I can get, like, a, a solid, like, caramel forward IPA somewhere else, you know? Yeah. Or, or, yeah. or whatever, you know? And you can apply that to, like, any fucking small town, not only in this state, but elsewhere, you yeah, know? Like, absolutely. it's just, it's, like, hometown brewery, might need to focus on being a hometown brewery and, like, you know, just understand that if you're trying for, like, regional distribution, then you got a hell of a fight because there's a lot of Blondales out there, man. And, uh, and, or, you know, like, you just try to, try to make your mark by doing crazy shit. And, um, I don't know, man. Like, it's, it's easy for me as, like, a guy who doesn't own a brewery to... Right. To, you know, kind of armchair speculate and and whatever. But, like, I always had a lot of respect for the people who do what they do, make fantastic beer, and it's like a side hustle. Mm. You know, it's, it almost seems like this... I almost sound like Castro talking about baseball and how, like, the, the, the purest form of enjoyment of sport is like just playing sports with your friends. And yeah. as soon as you sully it with money, it's you know, <laughs> like, that's, that just like takes everything away from it. But yeah. like capitalism ruins everything. But, but, uh, you know, um, 
yeah, like it's there's a guy. I don't know if you've tried any of his shit. It's hard enough to get in Wisconsin, but like there's a guy named Levi Funk who runs um uh I can't even call it a brewery. He doesn't actually like make the work, but like he runs a place in Madison called uh Funk the the Funk Factory. Okay. And he makes spontaneously fermented beer. Okay. So like Method traditional, lambic style, like real legit shit. Basically, I think he sources his his wort from like other breweries, and then like basically gets the wort shipped to him, and then he puts it in barrels and he takes care of the barrels and they spontaneously ferment there, and then he blends it and bottles it, and I I don't even think he gets any distribution. I think it's just all out of his door. Sure. But um, you know, that's not what he fucking does. Right. Like, you know, he's like, he's working nine to five doing something else and just looking after his barrels on the weekends, essentially. Like, yeah, you know, and it's, uh, but like, man, he fucking nailed what he does. And, uh, you know, that's an extreme example, but like, yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like it's like this intersection of like, good marketing and really like adventurous good product and luck and like just all this shit yeah you know and so the, like even the back end is a question to me because like i remember talking to tom about it five years ago yeah he was like dude so competitive to yeah. get product like dude when i go to buy fucking cascade hops i either pay what they're fucking charging or i don't get it like, sure and everybody wants it some people aren't getting it, you know, like, oh, yeah, if you don't have the capital to move it, like, buy. Yeah. Do you place any stock in the, like, Great American Beer Cup and all that shit, or is it sort of I nonsense? think I, I usually follow Great American Beer Festival, the, the one that happens in the summer every year, and, like, you know, that's the only one that I really fucking follow, and even then, it's just kind of like, well, you know, too wet before, uh... It always takes, uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it always takes uh, those establishments some time to kind of catch up to the, like, the, the trends and, like, what, what people are doing. So, like, I, hell, I remember, was it last year or the year before, that, like, the GABF winner for IPA was just, like, this super fucking, like, dark, crystal-driven, like, you know balanced ipa i'm sure it was great but like it's like the sort of ipas that people were interested in drinking like 10 years ago and like anybody who gives a shit about ipa now is just like oh give me that haze give me that you know give me that juice and like ipas that are hazy or not forwardly bitter don't qualify as ipas based on those you know based on those contest criteria so you know, there's like this disconnect where like, well, this is the best, this is theoretically the best IPA in the country. This one, like, <laughs> you know, right. So it's kind of one of those things where like, usually I kind of, uh, I kind of look at the, I look at the results and I'm just like, yeah, you, you, I think you could, you could pretty much count on these ones that, uh, that have meddled as being like really good representatives of style, mm. you know, because Lord knows they have enough people judging it and everything like might not even be like, honestly the best because just depending on, you know, who you had judging you and in what order, like that's all that stuff. Like there are too many variables, but like you could usually count on them being like good representatives of style. So, right. Making all sorts of contentious beer like beer, beer announcements here. It's like, man, fuck this place and fuck that. Fuck the Oscars. Fuck, fuck the, Kevin Hart. Fuck Kevin Hart. Fuck the Oscars. Fuck the police. Yeah. <laughs> fuck Ellen. <laughs> man, what you know about Métis? Not a lot, but that is an actually that's another thing I want to talk to. I think that bringing that subject up to Troyer would be an interesting one to. Basically, like, to give you background for the, the benefit of the record, and not that I'm an expert, because of course I'm not, like, in Canada, 
there are essentially three, I guess, recognized indigenous groups. You have First Nations, which I guess you know we would we would call Native Americans here, like the the various nations like you know Cree, Ojibwe, yeah, and um, and then uh, Inuit, and uh, and Métis is like kind of the third recognized indigenous group in Canada. And they're, you know, it's not a recognized indigenous group in the United States, but basically it's like the culture that, that came from the mixing of settlers and, and peoples of nations. And, um, I never really understood that, like, it's, you know, well, not until fairly lately that, like, I'd heard the term before and I always just kind of thought like, oh, that's just like the term for somebody who is mixed race. But like it's it's a culture. It's like a culture that that formed of like all these people that had mixed ancestry, and like formed their own communities, like of this kind of mixed background. You know, I think that it's it's something that I think is pretty interesting because it, it ties into ties into history in this part of in this part of our country because like there are a lot of like. A lot of the uh, indigenous communities in northern Minnesota or in North Dakota have like sizable populations of people who consider themselves Métis, you know, and um, and it figures very very prominently into Canadian history of uh, of like Manitoba, where like, you know, there were there was a movement led by Louis Riel to like basically create a Métis state, mm. you know, like uh, like like yet another ill-fated effort on the part of indigenous North Americans to eke out space for themselves against encroaching whiteness. And, um, you know, the, the white narrative certainly is just, like, being able to parlay with, you know, the, the burgeoning state, uh, the burgeoning independent state in, you know, in what would be Manitoba, like, and, like, parlaying into, well, you should just join Confederation, we'll give you your own province, and you can have your space within this union that we're forming, and, uh, you know, I mean, they still killed Louis Riel, but... Right. <laughs> right. And I think, actually, some of that is in this book I'm reading. Oh, cool. Cause, That's awesome. And I know we've talked about it before, um, the sort of the history of the Métis here in Minnesota and then in Canada... And I've always been, like, and again, not surprised by the awfulness of white people, right? But, like, there's no discussion of that, it seems like, in America. No. You know? No, so, no. Like, it's like that, and that's the thing that always shook me, is that, like, this is, like, this, this has a tactile impact on the world that we live in, the world that indigenous people live in that, like, has been erased. Like, right. I didn't know shit about it, and I found, and I thought myself to be for a fucking white dude, pretty like pretty like well versed in like the indigenous history of my area. Yeah. And like you know, it's uh there's no attempt to make it known that it's like a separate, you know what I mean? If it, if anything it's just lumped in with like the Indians. It's lumped in, in with story. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um you're familiar with the Highway of Tears um in British Columbia. It's like a stretch of highway that goes um, north-south, I think. Probably ends in the Vancouver area. But it's kind of like the one of the bigger concentrations of missing and murdered indigenous women in okay. Canada. And, um, like, to kind of combat the... Um, to help combat the, the danger there were federal subsidies to, like, pay into uh, Greyhound, essentially, so that they could, like, run buses along the highway so that people were, like, in groups and safe and whatever. And those federal subsidies were actually just cut this year. So, like, Greyhound can't afford to operate that line because they just don't have enough traffic to, to justify keeping the line open. And without, yeah, without the subsidies. So it's, um, you know, it's shitty, dude. Like, it's, yeah, like, just kind of like this, probably, like, one of the biggest national disgraces of, of that country 
because like and not like it doesn't happen here either like it's a it's a big fucking problem throughout indigenous communities in North America is like just the the like just alarming rate of missing and murdered women and like the kind of shocking well shocking if you're a white dude like yeah. like you know seeming seeming like unwillingness of the authorities to really like look into it or or you know these cases just kind of like go untouched essentially yeah and i think until like two years ago there wasn't even there was like no data collection work because it like it makes at the end of wind like at the beginning of wind river it makes it it says the whole like this yeah. is based on a true story thing sure right? sure and then at the end it's like kind of admits that like no it's not but chances are something very similar like Some, this has yeah. happened and there's no way we can know how would you know yeah. no one <laughs> keeps track but then just like a year or two ago some lady did like go on this fucking quest to like actually document every missing or yeah. missing native woman or whatever so there's like a database now like she compiled by talking to friends and family and all that shit or whatever and it's just unbelievable like the number yeah. of people like especially yeah. considering like the size of that population yeah. you know what i mean it's like yeah. one in five or you know it's yeah like, no it's 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 alarming you know if that many white people white women started <laughs> disappearing dude like there'd be martial fucking law just like yeah, like really fucking like epidemic level problem. Yeah, it's fucked up. Part of our heritage. Part of our heritage. Yeah, yeah dude. And like, even like, I feel like Canada might be like half a step. Of, no, it's probably a full step ahead of us. But I still feel like it's fucked, right? Like, well, it's it's one of those. Yeah, yeah. God, it's messed up. Like, I think the government's like, we're sorry. But yeah. then what do they do? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, right. You know, it's like still issues with you know communities in in the in the north in Canada not having drinkable water. That's like been a thing for dude. Isn't there the thing like, where like some company is like bottling the water, but the indigenous people don't have the rights to it? Do you know what I mean? So they're like pulling all the water off the reservation. That's that sounds like a thing that I've heard. Yeah. yeah. Man. Nice. Just like capitalism rules. <laughs> I don't think you realize, man. Like, and I've been talking about this a lot, and I'm actually like super looking forward to talking to Anton Troyer and shit. But like, yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot, man. Like, you talk about like generational trauma, like in the inner city, right? That goes back to fucking slavery. Boarding schools were legit one generation ago. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. One, like if you're our age, like your grandparents no, definitely as in, went. Well, yeah, as in, as in, you could there. find a number of people in this town who went to boarding school. Yes, dude. like it's absolutely <laughs> like, and they were fucked up, like hardcore, yeah. dude. Yeah, like whatever the uh, the eighty nine treaty in Minnesota, like Ojibwe culture is a crime until yeah. the seventies. Yeah, like, and that includes like any traditional medicine or dance or language dude yeah that's fucked you know what i mean like right and i, I like i say that i'm pretty sure this is right you could probably you be whatever but with exceptions like the blanket every native has the right to vote act or whatever right yeah isn't until 76 1976 right I'm trying to remember Gretch's clause. I'm pretty sure because, like, if you ceded your land, you know, and took an allotment, you yeah, could vote. Then you could vote. If yeah. you like renounced your tribe and tried to yeah, assimilate, that's you true. could that, vote. That is, yeah, because it was there was uh, all these conditions. Nixon, Nixon administration. Yeah, yeah that's right. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which like, I believe Gretch Gretch's quote about like <laughs> it's like an administration that had a lot of issues, but you know. <laughs> Was was pretty there for indigenous people. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So <clears throat> that's crazy, right? That's fucking yeah. insane. And I know they're probably not the most visible population, but just like seeing the way that they're still fucking even, you know, portrayed or 
talked about, you know. Yeah. Like, What's up? So that Steve will be out here in a couple minutes, I nice. guess. Yeah. Oh, you got one, eh? <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> betcha. Yeah, that was me. Nice. Guess how long we were here before it came in? Probably like half an hour. Thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. Yeah, I, we sat down. Scott we sits like, down and goes like this. Yeah, basically. And I went, "Ooh, we were just, give me that and get your spear in the water." Yeah. <laughs> and I just sat here and kind of dangled it and moved it a little bit and it took him. I was gonna say, Scott, that's the longest I've ever played a fish. Oh really? Absolutely. I, that was so nerve wracking. Like. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Is he gonna come into the hole? Are we gonna even get his shine? Yes, I'm waiting. Bingo, bingo. How you feeling? You couldn't have speared a fish any sooner unless he'd opened the door and looked down there. Basically, dude. Holy cow. Remember how to throw? Yeah. Get your spear in the water. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like, <laughs> man, like, I guess I'm going to be out here at 8.36 every, do- every day for the next <laughs> month going like this. <laughs> sure, I'm glad that we uh, had that time. I was going to say, like, I, the, li- the license thing. I was going to say, I'm sure I'm glad that my license started at 8.30 and not 8.45. <laughs> 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 oh, funny. Yeah, start it now. 8.30? Sure. I suppose. Do you did you know do you know what time that actually was? I, like, oh, I did. Time stamp on your phone when you took the picture? Probably, actually. Because, like, yeah, man, like, we were at the bait shop at, like, quarter after, right? Yeah. And we came right out here, like, <laughs> it'd be fucking funny if it was before 8.30. <laughs> Delete that. Delete that. Delete, delete all the evidence. Uh, I took a picture of yeah. No, it was after eight thirty because okay. at eight thirty six I took this picture of you. That was right before I stepped in. Gotcha. And uh, would have been very shortly before you took these pictures of me. Time stamped eight forty two. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, so like eight four. Sometime in those four minutes, I yeah. speared that fish. <laughs> <laughs> and it seemed that's like insane, it... dude. That basically, yeah, that does that does mean it's like three or four minutes, like yeah. for the time that I actually got around to sitting down. Yeah, like yeah, and shattering that ten minute record, <laughs> just obliterating it. <laughs> and if we go from the time I saw it. You know, like it seemed that's like hilarious. It, it's like 30 seconds of that as me waiting for the thing to come into frame. I was gonna say, it like, felt like two minutes, but it was probably 45 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, <laughs> it's like yesterday's. You heard it here for you, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Gripping yes, world, kind of Steve. Yesterday, when I, when I saw that one come in, I was like, Get your spear. And he was like, fucking around. And then later, I was <laughs> fucking around. I was like, Steve, get your spirit. And he was like, well, you didn't seem very urgent. So I didn't, I don't know. I was like, well, why else would I tell you to get your fucking spirit ready? Oh, God. Under what <laughs> other circumstances would I be like, Steve, put your spirit in the water? <laughs> what? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to build on the beer thing. Like, we're talking about cost of alcohol. I'm like, how much do you pay for, like, going to, you go to a bar, you get, like, a shitty beer, like, just a regular glass of it? Four bucks? Yeah. I don't know. I would say, I would, I don't uh, know. I don't, I don't buy know. a lot like, of them. I don't so. buy a lot of them. Yeah, I guess you don't. But like, I went to a, I went to a shitty bar in St. Joe, Minnesota, right after going to Bad Habit Brewing Company, and they had hams on tap, which I don't think I've ever seen. And yeah, it was like three dollars a pint. Yep. Damn, dude. Like. Yeah. Yep. I was gonna say there's a weird little bodega restaurant convenience store thing up by the college. Yeah. That like, it's like a bar, 
restaurant part, and it's weird. Like, and they legit all day, every day, two dollars, sixteen ounce ham pours. Wow. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> like if I was going to college, that's dude, like Europe pricing. Like, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> I, it's probably the the break even point for them, and they're just hoping they you 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 buy You're something buying else. Other shit, not just stopping in for a couple of, for a ham sandwich. Is what we used to call drinking three hams in one sitting. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Oh my goodness. Oh, come on, man. Send us on our way with a lunch break fish. We should probably get going, eh? Yeah, we can for sure. Ten minutes to Yeah, that's cool. Absolutely. Where do you usually put this? Oh, there's a reel there. Oh yeah, that's so right. Yeah. What I'll do? It's the back one. Oh, it's the the rear. Yeah. yeah. So if I take this and pull it over here, right about there is good. Got it. This is a weird one. There's a hole in it filled with water. Oh, I see. Yeah. I but guess that makes sense. I've been, yeah. I, I used it almost, I mean, when you get bored and you got nothing better to do, you're, you know, changing. You the switch it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. act this. like that makes a difference. <laughs> right. But I have maybe used one or two. Well, with me and Steve, you The ever popular lunch break ending. Super stoked to get Scott a fish after all these years and enjoy the chance to catch up and talk shop. Yeah, Tune in next week to see if we take things over the top with another fish and more bullshit. Or maybe no fish and some real talk. As always, thanks for listening. Tell your friends, give us a like and a share. Follow along on Facebook and Twitter. I'm KCT, and this is Going Up North. All right! <laughs>